The saga is over and an era is over for the Phoenix Suns. DeAndre Ayton out. Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson all in. We'll break it down on today's emergency bonus episode of Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Bonus time, emergency time, DeAndre Ayton trade reaction show. Thank you for being here. We're free and available everywhere. Hit follow, hit subscribe if you have not already. Get daily coverage plus bonus shows like this in your feed every Monday through Friday. Become an everyday or get locked onto the Suns along with me throughout the rest of the season. Today's show, real quick, guys, brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with the personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We'll talk about them more later on in the program. But first, the trade is complete. We got our... Woj bomb that kind of hit midday, 11 o'clock or so, 11.15, Phoenix time. And uh, it surprised me because it was not exactly what we thought. But DeAndre Ayton is gone. Damian Lillard is going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday is going to the Portland Trail Blazers. And seemingly, the crown jewel of the Lillard trade from the Blazers side of things is, in fact, DeAndre Ayton. They looked around. They did not probably get anywhere trying to acquire OG Ananobi as the centerpiece of this trade. They did not like Tyler Hero and and whatever or whatever picks that they were going to get from that. And so rather than getting a very pick-heavy package from Miami or, you know, Grady Dick as the centerpiece, I suppose, from Toronto, the Blazers go ahead and they acquire DeAndre Ayton. So let's talk first about the players that the Suns are acquiring. We'll talk next about the fit from a cap standpoint and a rotation standpoint and sort of what the Suns are left with now as far as all of that goes. And then we'll talk about DeAndre Ayton. And and I'm sure, you know, Aaron Edwards and I will talk tomorrow. That show will go up Friday. And we'll be able to keep going with all of this. But uh, in the meantime, the players. All right. So Yusuf Nurkic, I've talked a lot about, um, you know, go back and listen to some of my other shows. I'm sure many of you already have, if you are an everydayer, um, listening to this show. Like I, I think, uh, Nurkic to me, the biggest question marks are not just his health in terms of, is he going to be available consistently for this team, but also his health when it comes to what is he physically? He's only 29 years old, but he has dealt with um, obviously the significant break of his leg, as well as a, a bunch of other things over the past few seasons. His, st- his stats would indicate that what he can be for this team and can be within Frank Vogel's defensive system in particular is a player who can stand at the basket, play drop coverage in the pick and roll, you know, anchor the paint. Maybe they'll play a little more zone with Nurkic than they would have with Ayton and contest 
shots, block shots, and provide some paint protection, rim protection as the final back line of a defense. Now, one, that's the best case scenario because, again, he was always, you know, what, slightly above average defender at his peak. If he's less than his peak, then he's less than above average and you're getting into below average, outright negative defender. And a lot of people would say that's what he has been as he's dealt with these injuries, even though the stats tell you, in some cases, what I just listed off. And again, even at his peak, you can quibble with the fact that Portland, with obviously Lillard, who they just traded, CJ McCollum, who they traded two years ago, and even you know the likes of Al Farouk Aminu and Myers Leonard and... Um, I'm forgetting the other forward that they had the year that they met Mo Harkless that they when they made the conference finals like that's probably even worse defensive personnel than this Suns roster which isn't even perfect defensive personnel but that said Nurkic has only ever anchored an average at best type of defense like he, he there's really no track record that you would point to to say even when circumstances were good Nurkic was the centerpiece of a great defense so I think he will start for this team. I think the offensive pit fit is pretty sound. I think that he's somebody who can space and operate on the perimeter as a dribble handoff and, and passer and playmaker and ball mover more so than even DeAndre Ayton could, and, and Ayton was decent at that too. Um, he's somebody that is a little bit more quick and decisive with his decisions um, when he does have the ball, when he doesn't have the ball, probably a little bit more consistent of a screener, you would say. Like, I think the fit offensively will will be fine, and we'll see how much he plays. We'll see if that if if Nurkic playing 35 minutes the way we thought Aiton might is actually what this team will look like. Is it more Drew Eubanks? Is it more Durant at the five? It, is somebody like Metu or even Bol Bol or Udoka Azabuki, who's on a two-way right now, are those guys going to be more in the mix than maybe we thought. Moving on to the other parts of this package. I mean, Grayson Allen, look, like, uh, I don't... It, it feels a little bit redundant to get him on this roster. If I'm being honest, I think that part of the Grayson Allen play here, although I do think he will, um, he will definitely be in the rotation for this team, talk more about the other side of a lot of that stuff um, as we go here in the next segment. I think it was more about contract flexibility, um, having a, a mid-size contract, which I know uh, you if you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about ad nauseum, but it does matter. The Suns had maxes and minimums, right? Now they have... Uh, far more flexibility. You know, Grayson Allen is a player who we know uh, what he is, but at the end of the day, you know, he's not a difference maker, but he makes the right amount of money to be traded. Just to tell you what I think of him rather than beating around the bush and being vague the way that I am. I think that he is a very, very serviceable three, two or three position defender. He can guard ones, twos, and some threes, right, in the league. He has gotten, I think, a lot better and, and raised his floor as a player since joining Milwaukee. I think in the playoffs, his lack of size and athleticism can be exposed. His lack of elite shooting 
can be exposed. He's not great at anything, right? That's kind of the knock on Grayson Allen. But in the regular season, in the early rounds of the playoffs, and yeah, maybe in the right lineups, even in the late rounds of the playoffs, if he's on the court, you feel fine with it, right? He might be the weak link, but that's a pretty good weak link, all things considered, versus, you know, relatively unknown and unproven players like we've seen with Keita Bates-Diop, Josh Kogi, the guys we've been talking about who could have filled that role. I don't know if Grayson Allen will start. We'll talk more about that. I, I don't want to get sidetracked. Nasir Little is the other piece here that I, I have personally told you guys I liked him when we thought the Miami package was the one that was going to be accepted by Portland. We assumed that Caleb Martin would be coming to Phoenix, and then there was the Indiana side where it seemed like the Pacers might send out TJ McConnell. I never fully understood what the Pacers would be getting for that, so it, it never really added up, and that's why I brought out the idea of Nasir Little, who makes a similar amount of money, and I thought made a lot more sense. Basically, the way to think of Nasir Little, in my opinion, as of right now, is a little bit more athletic, but a little bit less offensively gifted Kata Bates-Diop, right? I mean, they're both I think Bates-Diop's a little bit taller. Nasir Little is listed at 6'6". I think in college or other places, I've seen listings of him at 6'5". So he is undersized for what he really is in the NBA, which is like a fringe four. But that's only because the shooting has started to come along lately. All right, so he took 154 three-pointers last season, made 57 of them. That's good for 37%. And as a corner three-point shooter, 42%. Defense-wise, he is somebody two years ago who had a pretty strong statistical season defensively, flashed some rim protection, was very good on the ball, on the perimeter, fighting through screens, bodying his man, um, guarded, for the most part, secondary offensive players, and then often in bench units would, would guard maybe the better scorer on the court at that time when the the, the worst players were, were in the game, obviously. Um, and so you're kind of banking on, okay, last year the offense started to come along. Two years ago, the defense was at a really high level. Can those things come together? Can he be somebody who is an athletic help defender, who can guard one-on-one, and maybe be a little bit of the best of both worlds between somebody like Akogi, who I don't quite think he's as good as defensively, and somebody like Bates-Diop, who he's not probably ever going to be quite as good as offensively, and be a little bit of an intermediate between the two of them. I think that's the goal. Another player, though, who has that in-between contract amount at $6 million, $7 million, $7 million, and $8 million over the next four years. He just signed an extension last fall, so he's going to be under that contract for a while. Keon Johnson, until further notice to me, let's see him in preseason. Let's talk, see what the, they think of him in camp. To me, this is a throw-in. I don't expect, I mean, he was a, a first-round pick two years ago, but has not really flashed in the NBA at much of a high level. You know, has made his threes when he's gotten the chance. Okay. You know, but everything else on the court has just not really come along. Finished a little bit better last year on a really small sample. I just think he's very raw and he's already going to be 22. A lot of those guys don't ever turn it around. I'm not being disrespectful to Keon Johnson, but I'm just going off of the track record in the NBA. If he was going to flash, I think he would have gotten minutes already. Let's see what he can turn into. Let's talk about the other side of this. We know Tumani Kamara has also gone out in this trade. We know that the salary stuff was a key factor here. And what does this rotation look like? We'll get to all of that next. First, today's show brought to you by Jace 
Medical. Think about Jace Medical as a first aid kit for antibiotics. That's the easiest way. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get one is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Then you get ongoing care from those physicians on any treatment-related questions and you have the antibiotics that you need at your door, at in your cabinet, in your medicine cabinet, literally. All right? So... Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves. The Jace case provides those five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use to give you the peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have it with their Jace case. It's simple. They handle everything from that online eval to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery and that ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today by visiting jacemedical.com, using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, that's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical.com, promo code locked on at checkout for $20 off on top of the massive savings you already get by shopping with them. JaceMedical.com, promo code locked on. All right, we're keeping it rolling. Let's go here. Um, okay, first, let's just get the Chimani Kamara thing off of the um, table. I think it's a big mistake that the Suns traded this guy. I do, just straight up. It does not make sense to me. Um at the best, you're talking about best case, right, with, with Nasir Little, Keon Johnson. You are talking about guys who can be playable offensively and affect the games with their team defense and, in some cases, their on-ball defense, right? And I'm really talking about Nasir Little because, again, to me, Johnson, even if he contributes, he is a long ways away. You could even say to me, because he's younger and because he's more raw in terms of his feel – that Johnson is actually further away from contributing than Kamara is. So I don't really think, like, in and of itself, like, I would have Tamani Kamara's value higher than Johnson. So, like, almost kind of set that all off to the side. Let's just talk about the little part of it. Kamara has already flashed more offensive feel, I think, between college and the limited sample at Summer League than any... I'm not going to pretend to have watched Nasir Little, but I did cover that draft quite a bit when he was at North Carolina, and I've watched just like everybody else. I mean, I, I do an NBA podcast. I've watched the Blazers. You know, I'm not a I'm not a diehard here, but I, I I can speak to it. And I think Kamara, the offensive field profile is probably more significant than what it was for Little. So that's a little bit weird. I think that was a big mistake. Let's talk about the salary side because again, on the last show that I did, I, I had the case for and against trading Aiden. And I didn't do a show for Wednesday because I was like, what the hell do we talk about until we know what this is all going to look like? Well, now we know what it's all going to look like. And I was right on one count, right? The reason you do this now is because of the, the, the limitations that are going to be imposed upon the Suns with the second apron under the new CBA are incredibly strict as it relates to trades. This one last little pocket that the Suns had allowed them to do a trade, which is what this one was, that, that took in more salary than they sent out, right? So as far as Fanspo's NBA trade machine has it, the Suns sent out, obviously, in the form of DeAndre Ayton. Actually, they did send out Kamara, so let me do this really quickly so that I don't, uh, I don't get the exact numbers wrong. We have... Going out, $33.5 million on the Sun side. Coming in on the Sun side, 35, so let's say $34.8 million exactly. So they took in more than they sent out, right? That's only allowed for them the rest of this season. And so 
they didn't quite take advantage of the full 110% that they're allowed to get back. It's only going to be like 100 and I don't even know, like 5% or something like that, 102%. But the point is, this trade would not have been legal for the Suns next summer. And aside from that, I think you could make a very reasonable case that what Phoenix saw, why their front office latched onto this opportunity so strongly, one, they probably got word that the Blazers liked Aiton quite a bit, enough to to treat him as the centerpiece of a trade, and it feels almost like that inflection point changed the nature of the Lillard sweepstakes, because once Portland determined that Aiton as a centerpiece was better than Hero or Picks, that made that made a, a, a package involving Aiton more valuable to them than a package, anything of the things Miami could have done, right? Unless Miami could have convinced the Suns to get involved. And I honestly think getting Caleb Martin there would have been nice, but it's impossible to really go through all of that without knowing who the third or fourth teams would have been besides Miami, Phoenix, and, and Portland, right? If there had to be a fourth team, who's that going to be? If Indiana backed out, whatever, it just... Those things are complicated. They fall apart if anybody changes their mind about any piece of it. And so the reason I say it's smart and the reason I, I believe that the Suns likely glommed onto this is because they know the rules about the 110% intake for this one golden season until next year when it becomes capped at exactly what Aiton's salary is going to be. The other part is that after this season, they cannot combine contract. So sending Kamara and Aiton out wouldn't have been allowed, right? And then on top of that, this Lillard thing, for all the Suns know, it's impossible to predict the future. The Suns treated the Lillard sweepstakes as the only big trade that they could get in on where multiple role player types would be moving back and forth. And honestly, I think they were they were smart to treat it that way. Truly. I do not like the idea of Nurkic so much riding on Nurkic. I do not love Grayson Allen from a fit standpoint because I think he overlaps with a lot of what the Suns have, right? I, I think Nasir Little is a, a mid-prime veteran, which you've heard me talk about a lot, very similar to Eubanks, Bates, Diop, Goodwin, etc. These guys who have had small breakouts on good team, on bad teams, and and might be ready to do more on a, or I guess sort of do less but contribute and be valuable more on a good team. I think Little fits that bill, but I don't love this trade in a vacuum. However, the Suns only had control over so much. They are making a big gamble on Yusuf Nurkic here. Like, that's that's unavoidable, inarguable. There's no way around that. He has to be serviceable, if not better than that, in order for this to look good. But there is a very likely possibility here that the Suns made a trade. Uh, sorry, that the Suns did not make this trade. They they backed out. They said, Portland, do do your thing. We get you like our guy, but we just can't do this. It, it doesn't make sense for us. And they go into the season, but they know they don't want to keep DeAndre Ayton. Like we know that, right? And there is a world in which they go into the season. First of all, the drama of keeping him becomes a problem. And 
they don't ever get a an opportunity as good as this one to get in on a trade that would have gotten them back anything close to this package. Like, I think that that has to be viewed as the truth because with Dallas, you were looking at, again, I've, I've mentioned and repeated this ad nauseum, I'm sorry, but the package was Hardaway, Holmes, and McGee. That is a poo-poo platter of poo-poo platters. That is a disrespectful offer, frankly, even though it sounds like the Suns actually like Hardaway. I, I don't, but okay, so be it. Um, and so if that's kind of what else was out there, and in this particular situation, the Suns had their grab of any of the middling salaries and, and role players on Milwaukee and Portland's rosters re within reason, I think that they did decently well. Now, more time to talk about that, but that's my main point. Maybe I shouldn't have done it 20 minutes in, but you got to talk about the players first. So if you're a diehard and you made it 20 minutes, congrats. I love you. You heard my, my main takeaway was right there. But rotation-wise, I guess I want to return to Allen a bit because I do think it's important to get more shooting on this roster. Like, I, I don't want to overlook or understate that, right? Because you were talking about a situation where Damian Lee probably not in your playoff rotation, Yudawada Nabe is a good shooter, potentially a great shooter, but inconsistent. We talked about that with Brandon Duenas on the show a, a little bit previously, where if you go back to early in his NBA career and through college and even in his international stuff, the, the elite shooting has not actually been there. Keita Bates-Diop, was it a one-year one thing? Josh Okoge, is he ever going to be able to shoot the ball? You know, um, on and on down the line. You were really looking at Beal Durant, Booker, and Eric Gordon being the only guys who you trust. So I do think Grayson Allen, again, he will play without a doubt. He may start. He may start at the three, quote unquote, for this team because he will be somebody who's big enough to guard wings sometimes, depending on who, right? But also has a little bit of ball handling and passing ability and can space the floor at a good level. We may have just seen the Suns acquire their fifth starter. So I don't want to overlook Allen. I just think he is a little bit of an overlap if you're talking about like winning a championship. You know, what does he do? the end of the day that Gordon or other guys who are more defensively inclined don't do for you. Like Allen was a problem for Milwaukee late in their playoff runs, but he will play for this team. He may start. That's a valuable thing to get. Talked about Nurkic. He's going to probably start at center. I mean, what else is there to say? And this year, a little like, I think he gets dropped into a competition with the guys that I mentioned, right? Akogi and Bates-Diop in particular. I think that he could be somebody in, in some worlds that allows you to get to those small ball lineups more easily, right? Because the thing is, if you're going to play Durant at center, or you're even going to play somebody like Chemezi Metu, who is more offensively inclined, does not really project as a hugely difference-making defensive player, but if you put him at the five, you can really unlock some things offensively. Okay, what do those lineups do for you, or, or how do you get to them? Well, you need to have size and defense at every other spot, so if you have little, you can start to stack those lineups up in a way that makes a little more sense. Can you go Beal, Okogi, Bates, Diop, Little, Metu, or something, right? Maybe. And, and so you get to have a little bit more flexibility where maybe the Nurkic thing doesn't matter so much. I also think Little could just outplay both Bates, Diop, and Okogi, and maybe he just becomes one of like the bonafide top eight for this team, if all breaks right. We will see. Let's close things out with a little bit on DeAndre Ayton, okay? Because we have to. Um, he's gone. Did they play this right? Initial thoughts on the end of this era after one more quick break. Okay, let's close out the show 
DeAndre Ayton, gone. We'll talk more about this as the week continues. I I get sentimental about this stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, you know, remember the Chris Paul trade. I talked in depth on the re- reaction shows that I did that week three years ago about Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio leaving, um, especially Oubre, just given what he did off the court and, and honestly what Rubio did on the court. Those guys were important. You talk about the Durant trade. I literally got like teary-eyed and bought the dude's jersey because Mikhail Bridges left. You know, I, I I care about this stuff. Like it is, the people aspect of it is is definitely one place where whether you want to call it me being, you know, a homer or a fan or whatever, like that that hits me. But also I've covered these people, right? Like I don't mean to say that in a in a look at me way or a braggy way, but like I'm around this stuff. I cover games in in person. I was at DeAndre Ayton's the the pre-draft workout that he did, which basically became a media circus around anointing and, and welcoming the number one overall pick like a month before he even was was going to be taken. I was there. Okay, I was at his I believe the first game he ever played, they was against Sacramento at home. Uh, at least it was the first home game. And he was legitimately like, and I don't mean to say this disrespectfully. If you're, if you're taking it that way, you're just a piece of crap. Um, he was kind of overcome with emotion. And, and I wouldn't say crying because that's, I wouldn't be crying, but like overwhelmed at the idea of talking to media because he didn't play great. They lost. And Julie Fye, who used to, be the longtime VP of uh, you know basketball communications for this team had to like comfort him, put his arm her arm around him, and be like DeAndre, like it's okay, like it's your first game, dude. It's it's all right, you know the suspension from the drug stuff, coming back, playing well, the run in twenty twenty one, like you know. Um, I don't mean to ramble, but I just mean to give context to the fact that I do care, and it's not insignificant that this guy's gone. This is the last player not named Devin Booker who was on the finals team that this team put together that this organization put together two years ago that's crazy so much has changed right um and at the same time you know i said this when i did the case for and against trading him on the last show i talked about the fact that if you had told me that they were going to get well at that point i thought it was Nurkic, martin and mcconnell this one's a little worse But I still think if you had asked me the day of the Bradley Beal trade, the Suns are going to trade Aiton. They're going to get a rotation center with an injury history. They are going to get a young athletic wing. And they are going to get a serviceable 3 and D guard. Do you do the trade? I would have said yes. Right. And again, as I said on the last show, I do think that all that has changed in my mind as I've convinced myself of keeping Aiton, all that's changed is my mind, literally. Like I've just thought about it more and I've kind of made the case to myself enough and talked myself into it. That doesn't mean anything practically changed. Again, I do want to mention the Bahamas run, but okay. I mean, yeah. It's up to you how much you want to weigh that into what the Suns could have or could have not counted on this upcoming season from DeAndre Ayton. But they did what they set out to do. They now have the salaries to trade in the future, right? In the form of Little, in the form of Grayson Allen, who is an, uh, an unrestricted free agent next summer but can be actually extended right now 
and obviously next summer could just be signed to a new contract. Uh, and even Keon Johnson next year will make $4.4 million. That's significant, more than minimum, and then he'll be a restricted free agent after that. So they did that, they got rotation players, and they got off of a player who they seemingly never wanted to pay and seemingly never believed in. It's a bummer that it had to end that way, but the writing has been on the wall for years. <laughs> years, right? How many times have we talked about DeAndre and trade rumors? Even if it's sentimental and sucks and weird that they've overhauled this roster to such a degree, this one can't be a shock to you. This one can't be out of left field. If you care about this team, you knew this could come, and you have to understand why they would do it, even if you don't agree they should have. That you just, if you're being honest with yourself, you have to get it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to believe it'll work out. You don't have to think Yusuf Nurkic is going to work here. You don't have to think Nasir Little is going to uh, make good on his promise as a player. And I might even believe you on on some of that, but you can't you can't say that that you don't understand. You can't say you don't follow. You can't say that it's a completely unfounded, unforced error. We know we know how the tenure of DeAndre Ayton went here, and I think it's fully understandable to not believe in him anymore if you're James Jones, if you're Matt Ishbia, if you are Frank Vogel, if you're Devin Booker. Sometimes that's just how these things go. I wish DeAndre Ayton the best in Portland. I think it is an amazing landing spot for him. I think he is going to get more involved offensively. I think he will be able to make the young guards on that roster much better. I think that it is a little bit of a smaller spotlight on him in a way that can be probably helpful. This is not a team that's going to make the playoffs this year, and he can reset expectations on himself and reset his career in a way that I, I think can be good. And I'm going to be rooting for the guy. I don't take satisfaction in like being right in some kind of way just because I doubted Aiton's ability to excel on this team and this roster in this city. I'm not like taking a victory lap. And I hope if you didn't love Aiton in his time here that you're not doing that either because it's bizarre behavior. The guy's a person and and he impacted this franchise. Like he was the starting center on a team that made the finals. You're gonna watch those highlights in 20 years when you're remembering back on it and just like take satisfaction that you got that one right? No, you're not. Of course you're not. Valley you're gonna just be like, sucker. No, you're not. You're gonna be like, wow, I missed that dude. That was a cool moment. It sucks that it didn't work out here. And that's how I feel. That will wrap us up. We'll see if there's more. Might do two episodes today. Guess you'll probably know that by the time you hear this one. Either way, Aaron Edwards will be back to close out the week. I'll say his name correctly there. Aaron Edwards will be back to close out the week on Friday and talk more about all of this then. Enjoy the nonsense and the craziness and the analysis and the overreactions and the hot takes. There will be plenty of them. In the meantime, hit follow, hit subscribe, get the next one in your feed, and I'll talk to you then.